1: No purchase necessary, void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's new! Here comes a lightning bolt! Charger fans are witnesses to history! This is the Lightning Round Podcast. With your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle.
0: Go Chargers, go! Welcome everybody to the Lightning Round Podcast. I am at Garrett Sisti. Jamie is at Lightning underscore Round. We are here to recap the Chargers 2020 draft class. And we thought we'd do another podcast just to kind of wrap this whole thing up. It's only fitting that we did a preview show. And now we can just wrap up this draft season and talk about the Chargers' six draft picks. So let's just jump right into it. The Chargers did not trade up. They did not draft a tackle. They did not draft a corner. They stayed pat and selected a quarterback. It ended up being Justin Herbert at six.
1: Yeah, I think we all knew it was going to be a quarterback in this draft. It kind of had to be. Drafting the top ten, you're kind of in a position where if you've got a quarterback— that's, you know, got a top 10 grade, maybe even a top 15 grade, he gets pushed up the board because of need. And, you know, I think most of us, I know you and I definitely wanted Tua, didn't happen. But uh, in terms of Herbert, I think, you know, after going back and kind of getting over the initial disappointment of not getting Tua and watching some extra film on Herbert, I watched, I think, 10 of his games over the weekend to try to get a better handle on what he was about and what he does well and how the, the team might be able to help him. And I think what they got is obviously a guy with a huge frame. He's athletic. He can move. He's got a big arm. Uh, I think he can make some NFL-caliber throws. Um, he shows the ability to you know make some nuanced throws. It's not consistent, but it is there. Uh, he can drive the ball into tight windows for sure. Um, I think there are some inconsistencies there, which you might expect to some degree from certain quarterbacks. But I think all in all, when you look at what he does really well, I think he throws the ball in the middle of the field extremely well, particularly within 20 yards. I think once he starts trying to drive the ball down the field, to the perimeters at times he starts kind of aiming and, and guiding the ball almost like he's afraid to miss. Um, not unlike what Lamar Jackson did when he was coming out of college, he had a tendency to try to aim balls a little bit and miss on deep balls and, his, and it seems like his coaches have fixed that. So it's certainly something that can be fixed with improved footwork and kind of maybe getting out of his own head a little bit and trusting himself a little bit and trusting his athletic ability and trusting his arm. Um, he certainly needs to learn how to get through his progressions a little bit better. But I did see some improvement in that way. I saw him look some people off, use some pump fakes to get guys open and come back to his primary read in his senior year. So I think there are things they could work with. I think there are ways, certainly, that they can help him be more effective, Uh, things like getting the ball out quickly, uh, a lot of tunnel screens, a lot of bubble screens, um, a lot of high-low reads, simple reads, fewer option routes, um, and really just trying to keep him in a rhythm, because I think he's at his best when he's in a a rhythm, and he hits the top of his drop when he gets rid of the ball. So if they can help him with that and get the ball out quickly, I think he could be more effective. Uh, if he, you certainly don't want him sitting back there going through four or five, six reads, holding the ball for a long period of time, I think you're going to see more three and five step drops as opposed to the seven step drops we've seen. And I think you're going to see them really try to help him by creating larger passing windows in the middle of the field, which is something I think they did a good job of giving themselves a chance to do with some of their later round draft picks we'll talk about. So all in all, I think. There's an opportunity for him to be successful. I still don't know that he's going to elevate a team, but I do think that they can help him be successful and he can help them win games as a part of a, a successful offensive unit. It's not going to be as quarterback-driven as we've become accustomed to seeing, I don't think, at least not right away. So um, I think once you get over that initial disappointment of not getting Tua, I think you realize they have a pretty talented kid there. There's a lot to work with. There's also some things that need, that need to be improved upon. But, uh, you know, in the top six, you don't know when you're going to be back there again. He, they had, it sounds like they had him ranked right behind Isaiah Simmons. They had Herbert ranked as their sixth player with both of them on the board. Quarterback took precedent, and it's kind of hard to argue with that approach.
0: Yes, they had Simmons higher than Herbert. In fact, the board, according to what I heard, it was confirmed by another source, so um, pretty confident about this. The Chargers had Joe Burrow first, Chase Young second. The tackle, Andrew Thomas, third. The linebacker, like you mentioned, Isaiah Simmons, at four. Tua at five. And Justin Herbert at six. Because the importance of picking high and needing a quarterback, they end up going with Justin Herbert over Simmons. So you guys know how we feel about Justin Herbert. We talked about it on the last podcast. But we know that he's got the physical traits. He's got the big arm. He's got great size. He used his feet to extend plays, which is going to be a major plus in this new catered offense. He's an accurate passer and pretty smart with the football. He's at his best when he's in a scripted, quick-timing offense. That's going to be important because when you don't have a quick-timing offense, here's where it starts to break down. He's basically a one-read quarterback. He does not consistently work through his progressions. You'll see flashes of it, but he does not do it often enough. When pressure, the mechanics break down. He becomes careless with the football. You've heard all of that. The Chargers drafted Herbert at six. Let's talk about what the Chargers need to do to help him succeed. They got to build around him. They got to cater to his skill set. The offense will now need to be a more quick timing offense, and that's where Herbert succeeds. The offense, like you mentioned, cannot do what they did with Rivers. No more five to seven step drops. It's got to be a quick timing offense. You got to include some RPO packages in there. You can get Herbert on the move, attempt to keep defenses honest, and also give Herbert more spacing concepts too. Spread them out a little bit. I also think. If they hurry to the line, get the line fast, snap the ball quickly, that can help get the offense in rhythm. Herbert isn't a quarterback that usually checks out the line anyway, so rolling right into plays will definitely help Herbert in this offense. So you heard it on the podcast leading up to the draft. We didn't like Herbert, but he wasn't the worst-case scenario. Jordan Love was. Pick isn't super exciting, but it's fine. The player's okay. You know, obviously we would have liked Tua, Or some other players there. Isaiah Simmons would have even been exciting. But because you're picking so high, and you figure you won't be picking that high anytime soon, go and try to get your franchise quarterback. So from that, you understand it. Herbert's highs in college are so, so exciting. He wasn't consistent enough with it, but let's hope if they cater to his offense and hopefully play to his strengths, and Taylor make this offense to Herbert— It'll give him a good chance to succeed, and we should see a lot more highs than we did lows like we did in college.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, another thing that we haven't mentioned yet is I think we'll see a lot of pistol formation. Um, You mentioned the RPO kind of getting him out on the edges of the defense, rolling him out to his right to get him away from whatever schmuck is playing left tackle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think the key with him really, honestly, is to— to keep things fast so he can't stop and think. Because I think where he really gets himself into trouble is when he's thinking, when he's not sure what he's supposed to do with the football. It seems like there are times where he's rolling to his right and he's almost thinking about what his footwork needs to be to get rid of the ball instead of just playing and reacting. And I think almost all of his problems are about him being afraid to miss, about him being afraid to get his footwork wrong. And I think that's why he can look mechanical sometimes, almost robotic, so I think if they can smooth some of that out and just tell him, hey, look, we believe in you. We drafted you. We're building around you. You're our guy. Like we're not looking to replace you. Just go out and prove us right. Just go out and make plays. Do do what you've been doing your whole life. Get out on the edge of the defense. Be athletic. Make those plays with your arm. Make those throws because you can make all those throws. Don't think about it so much. And I think that will help quite a bit with him. Um and then you know we talked about some of the manufactured touches some of the the, the different kinds of sc- types of screens they can run i think you're going to see a lot of concepts like what uh, what Baltimore did with with uh, Lamar Jackson this year i think they're going to try to establish the run he's very effective out of play action so i think they're going to do a lot of play action with him i think what you're going to see is a lot of attempts to challenge the seams of the defense i think the more he can throw to 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 weapons and to targets that are more or less right in front of him the more effective he is and the more he has to push it outside of the perimeter it's not that he doesn't have the arm to do it it's that for whatever reason he just looks mechanical doing it so if they can kind of narrow that field and keep players right in front of him where he's throwing the ball i think he's going to be a lot more effective early on and then obviously as he goes on and as he develops they're going to have to use more of the field but i think they can get away with you know some of those rollout passes that Baltimore did with, um, with Jackson this year. You know, bringing somebody from across the field, kind of being underneath the rollout to the right, just dump it off. It winds up being a throw outside the hash mark, but it's really just an extension of the running play. Things like that, opportunities to just get him out, get him into space, get playmakers into space, and get the ball on their hands as quickly as possible, so that he's not being asked to stand in the pocket and diagnose through, you know progress through four or five, six progressions. I just don't think mm-hmm. that's going to help him right now.
0: Yeah, and I think uh Oregon's O line did him a lot of favors. There's a lot of time, and I think once he was here and, you know, that third read, that fourth read, oh, I'm, you know, five seconds, six seconds it started to all speed up way too fast and get a little panicky. I I could also see a lot of misdirection here too. You know, with the receivers that they got, especially this uh, fifth round pick, which we'll talk about, I think there's a lot of opportunities to do that. And kind of with the RPO and the misdirection some jet sweeps we get reverses these bubble screens you're talking about there's a lot of stuff they can do with Herbert and I think this coming season we're gonna see what Steichen is worth because we don't know that he can cater an offense to Herbert's strengths we don't know what kind of offensive coordinator he's he really is and now he's got a whole project this is his quarterback and he can build from the ground up so it'll be interesting to see if he can really tailor make this offense towards Herbert's strengths
1: yeah, I'm not sure how much of Herbert we're going to see on the field this year. Uh, I just have a feeling that they're going to really try to lean on Tyrod as long as they can.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As long as he's not hurt and he's not costing them games, I think they're going to ride Tyrod as deep into the season as they can. But Tyrod and Herbert are similar in a lot of ways. They have a lot of the same exactly. skill sets. They have a lot of the same limitations, or not limitations, but they have a lot of the same things that they don't do as well as you would like to see them do. Um So I think we'll get an idea of what Steichen's building in terms of an offense this year by what they're having Tyrod do because Herbert can do a lot of those same things. And I think they really gave us a window into what they're trying to do, what they're planning to build by what they did on day three of the draft with three of those four picks, which we're going to get into here in a minute.
0: Yeah, but that's exactly right. Even if Herbert doesn't see the field, they're still going to be doing that same type of offense yeah. with Tyra Taylor. So, so we'll get a look at that pretty quickly with Steichen. Let's go ahead and move on to the second pick, which happened in the first round. The Chargers traded their second and third round picks to trade up for the Oklahoma linebacker, Kenneth Murray, and um, he is a rangy athletic linebacker. He's a powerful tackler, displays good tackle technique, He's really an enforcer in the middle of the field. He's got one gear, showed progression every year in college, which is great. I watched a bunch of him over the weekend. His movement, sideline to sideline, probably up there with uh, some of the best of this linebacker class. He looks so good going sideline to sideline. Also an excellent blitzer at the position. We saw a little bit of that at Oklahoma. Hopefully we see that with the Chargers. With things that... uh we a little worrisome, lacks awareness and zone coverage. While wasn't asked to run and cover much, his instinct leave a lot to be desired. He was also really productive in college. He had 325 total tackles, 36 and a half tackles for a loss, nine and a half sacks. Uh, to me, there weren't a ton of splash plays, no interceptions, only one forced fumble, but a ton of tackles. You and I talked earlier, um, you had mentioned a lot of tackles near or behind the line of scrimmage. So Kenneth Murray will be the probably the Will next to Drew Tranquil, where he's going to be really good as a run defender. Uses quickness to defend that short passing game. I think there's some versatility there. He I think he could play Otto Mike or Will depending on the package. The Chargers just banked on the second most athletic linebacker in this draft behind Isaiah Simmons, and they traded up to get him. Murray had the elite. RES score of 9.89 out of 10 so uh, super athletic explosive the tools are exciting uh, some of that shortcoming shortcomings look like they can come with time he's athletic enough to cover he just isn't there yet he's physical but he doesn't really take on blockers at the line of scrimmage with regularity so while he doesn't do it he's certainly capable of it he's the athlete to do it so the potential is all there for Kenneth Murray I think the development is going to be crucial. You might see kind of an abbreviated role in year one. He might be a first and second down linebacker to begin the year. Might take him off in third down passing situations, hide him a little bit, have the Dez King, Drew Tranquil package there on third down nickel and dime. But uh, Murray's exciting. He's athletic. And they definitely got an upgrade. I mean, they were running Thomas Davis out there last year. So without a doubt, this linebacker core got better by drafting Kenneth Murray.
1: Yeah, I think we were all a little surprised by when they traded up that it was a linebacker,
0: and it wasn't Queen,
1: and it wasn't Queen, yeah, and then it wasn't an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were probably expecting an offensive lineman there. I wasn't necessarily, but a lot of people were. Um, yeah, I mean, you said it. He's he's a great athlete. He is. A, he triggers quickly. He I mean he diagnoses and triggers extremely quickly. He flies downhill, does a great job of shooting gaps. You can see him. He's got short-air quickness to avoid and slip by tacklers. When tacklers are able to square him up, which doesn't happen that often, he does kind of stick to them, but he's got the length and the strength, I think, to be able to learn how to shed those guys as as he learns some hand technique and things like that. Um, He is able to range sideline to sideline. One thing that I noticed is that when he's ranging sideline to sideline, he can be a little... Over eager, maybe even a little undisciplined, and his pursuit angles are a little shallow, and he actually winds up getting beat to a spot and not making a play he should have made because he's underestimating. He's either underestimating the other player or he's overestimate. He's he's just over eager, just a little bit undisciplined. Um, I think those are things that hopefully you can coach out of him, get him to be a little bit more patient and take a little bit better routes, and he'll make better plays. Um, a byproduct of some of those, you know, overly aggressive routes, is he winds up reaching for people and tackling, like making arm tackles, and in some cases even grabbing guys by the shoulder pads or by the back of their their neck and swinging him down. He winds up hitting guys too hard, so I think he's going to have to learn to take better angles so that he's not reaching and not grabbing at guys like that. And I also think he's going to have to learn to hit guys more below the chest because if he's hitting guys up around the neck like that in the NFL, he's going to get flagged a lot and that could be an issue. Uh you mentioned the issues with coverage. He really wasn't asked to cover a whole lot. I did see him do a little bit of man-to-man coverage underneath, taking backs out of the backfield, you know, he's able to cover ground, he's able to mirror uh I saw him pick up some tight ends every once in a while underneath. He was able to hang with those guys. Really didn't see him he really wasn't asked to to carry wide receivers or tight ends down the middle of the field into the deep and intermediate areas. So we don't really know what that's going to look like, and it's probably going to take some time for him to get comfortable with it. Um, one thing I did notice, and they didn't do – I wish I wish Oklahoma had done a lot of it, a lot more of it, but I noticed he's not just a blitzer. I think he's a pass rusher. Uh, he's able to come off the edge and beat tackles. He's very flexible. He's very quick. You see him dip underneath tackle's hands and get home quickly. Uh, he doesn't have any real hand technique to speak of as a pass rusher, no counters or anything like that. But I think that's something that uh, Griff Smith can help develop with him uh, and actually turn him into a, a legitimate pass rusher on this defense. So, um, you know, not having that third round pick in a year where they had so much depth that they had to acquire hurt. But I do think this is a good football player, and I I definitely did not give him enough credit for being the athlete that he is. When we did the live stream, my initial reaction was, oh, he's a slightly better athlete than Denzel Perriman. I think he's a much better athlete than Denzel Perriman. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a much better fit for the modern day NFL than I think any of us really gave him credit for on the live stream when we talked about it at the time that he was picked.
0: Yeah, that Denzel Perriman comment was pretty hot when he made it on draft day, but um I may <laughs> I made a comment about Murray being an old school linebacker and I got some heat for it. And while obviously There weren't any old-school linebackers that were the type of athlete that Kenneth Murray was. My comment was regarding his play style. He's a thumper. He's a run-game specialist but wasn't asked to cover much in college. That's the old-school linebacker mentality, you know, physical, big, downhill. That's kind of what Murray's game is. And, again, like I mentioned, it's not that he can't cover. He just didn't and the instincts weren't there because he wasn't asked to do it a lot so obviously he's got the athleticism to succeed if they can coach him up and obviously he can shed more blocks of line of scrimmage if he gets more physical but he just didn't do it in college so while he's got some of those old school linebacker tendencies he could obviously succeed in today's nfl if the chargers can coach him up so let's go ahead and move on because the chargers traded their second round pick and third round pick so they were quiet all of day two they go into day three and they select a running back it's the ucla running back joshua kelly
1: kelly is a guy who ran a 9 40 at the combine um i wouldn't necessarily say he plays to that speed on film uh he's more of a i guess you could call him a power back he's more of a plotter uh he's going to pick up six seven eight nine yards here and there he's not a guy who's going to break a lot of really long runs I don't think unless guys are missing tackles he kind of runs to contact he will run through contact but he's not overly elusive uh, catches the ball reasonably well from what I saw on tape didn't do a lot of it but can catch the ball and he's a good pass protector um, they need another running back on the roster no doubt about it I think Kelly has the ability to contribute to this offense uh, I think I question the value of taking a running back in the fourth round. I personally would not have done it before the fifth. Might have even considered waiting until the sixth uh, just because I think, well, I think Kelly is a solid player. I think you can get guys like him later. And with the success the Chargers in particular have had with UDFA running backs, I think taking a guy like that in the fourth who doesn't really do anything exceptionally well and doesn't really have any particular skill sets that really stand out in my opinion. I think you're you're kind of overdrafting him a little bit. But I think he will contribute. He'll probably contribute some on special teams. Uh, probably help them take Eckler off the field on special teams for sure. And I'm sure he will have a role in pass protection on third down. And he will probably get, I don't know, maybe somewhere around 10 touches a game. So um, I think... You know, they got a fine player. I, I just wasn't real pleased with taking a back where they took him when they had so many other holes to fill.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
1: Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so
0: many more doors. The show is
1: called The, the Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
0: Hello, it
1: is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing?
0: Yeah, I think the player's fine. The value there is questionable. Um, I would probably say the same thing about Murray, but to a much lesser extent. I mean, he's a much better player. um, But trading up for an off-ball linebacker, a little bit questionable. But uh, I agree here. I mean, Joshua Kelly's fine. Uh, He's a downhill power back. He's got a thick frame, strong lower half. He's more of a straight-line runner with uh, positive vision. He's patient, hits the hole quickly. UCLA didn't utilize him a lot out of the backfield, like you mentioned. He only had 38 total receptions in two years with the Bruins. He transferred from UC Davis, was a walk-on at UCLA. At UC Davis, he returned some kicks, so while the team has guys there now, Kelly does have returner experience. Uh, He also didn't fumble the ball. This is a kid who just puts his head down, runs with two hands on the football, uh, very good ball security. So... While Kelly is kind of just a ho-hum athlete and kind of lacks the long speed, he's going to fill in as a power back behind Eckler and Jackson. He's a tough tackle, has the ball security. So you could see him on some short third and shorts, those goal-to-go situations. Outside of that, you'll probably see Kelly on special teams for sure. Uh, the kid loves to initiate contact anyway as a runner, so why not do it on coverage teams too? So, uh, perfect fit there. You can take Eckler off and probably Justin Jackson too, who played some uh, special teams last year. So they, they basically did that with all of their day three picks is just kind of added to special teams. So, um, Kelly, a guy that can definitely uh, contribute on coverage teams. And yeah, maybe you see him get five to ten touches a game. Uh, not really a guy that's gonna be the bell cow. You've got to split time with Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler, but they got their power back. They needed it. Uh, This running back group now has something different going for them. They didn't have that guy that could grind out the short yardage. Josh Kelly can. So they definitely got somebody different to add to that group.
1: Yeah. Like you said, he's a power back. He's going to help grind out yardage. Maybe you see more of him hopefully in the fourth quarter with leads where they're trying to bleed the clock and grind people down um, after they've already built a lead. Uh, but, like I said, I don't think he's a guy. I don't think he's anything particularly special. I don't think he's somebody that I'm overly excited about. I think he'll help he'll contribute on special teams he'll he'll make he'll have some contributions on offense he'll help them be that more kind of run heavy uh scheme that they've been wanting to get to for a while as they're rotating backs through and help set up the play action and that's kinda of what you're looking for at this point,
0: yeah, yeah. So then they go in round five with the wide receiver, Joe Reed, out of Virginia. Uh, He played wide receiver, running back, kick returner, and even some safety at Virginia, which was surprising when I went back and watched. Uh, Finished with over 2,100 yards, 38 touchdowns. Uh, Reed holds Virginia's career yards per return with 28.7. Also broke the school record for yards per return last season with 33.2. So obviously we know that he was a versatile weapon in college. He's got good size, really good body control when the ball's in the air. Uh, follows that up with really reliable hands and some pretty good open field speed. He's not really a burner, but he's a tough guy to bring down. So he's got a little bit of long speed and he's got that lateral agility too. His route running is fantastic, especially at the beginning and top of routes, which makes him really dangerous at that underneath and that downfield threat. Uh, Popper, Daniel Popper, had made a comparison and a few others have, too, that Joe Reed could be the Chargers' Debo Samuel. Um, he could, uh, I I could see it. He can line up in the backfield or out wide. Uh, Steichen can maybe manufacture five to seven-ish touches, get the ball in his hands, just tell him to make a play. That's certainly what Virginia did. They just gave Joe Reed those volume touches, and he made play. So that would definitely be beneficial for him to do with the Chargers' offense. Outside of that, He's going to be a returner for the Chargers. He'll compete with Darius Jennings for that job and a uh, another guy that they drafted. And he'll be competing for that wide receiver three with that other guy that we'll talk about a little bit later. So that's going to be a fun competition for Joe Reed and then the seventh round pick. But uh, a lot of versatility here with Joe Reed, a fun athlete, and uh, kind of a nice uh, gimmick piece here for this offense.
1: Yeah, uh, you could almost see him playing that uh, Jalen Redd kind of role in the Oregon offense that that uh, Justin Herbert had the last few years that you know we were talking earlier about the the manufactured touches getting the ball out of his hand quickly with the bubble screens and the hitches and and the tunnel screens and all that kind of stuff certainly Eckler can do that now you could see Joe Reed doing that I think you could also see him being a deep threat Um, he does have the speed to get vertical he's not you know Travis Benjamin fast but he catches the ball yeah, so I'll take that trade off. Yeah, every day of the week.
0: Yep, same uh,
1: here. He's a tough kid. You know, he steps through tackles. He's got great vision in the open field. He actually, a lot of people have said he runs like a running back uh, in the open field. Just kind of weaves through traffic and find finds open spaces. Um, you see him catch the slants. You see him catch the screens. Unfortunately for him, his quarterback the last couple of years was freaking awful. Uh, Bryce Perkins couldn't throw the ball more than 20 yards without throwing it straight up into the sky. He was it's almost
0: insulting to other quarterbacks to refer to him as a quarterback.
1: Yeah. He's got to be the worst. I mean, we've seen some bad college quarterbacks. He's got to be <laughs> the worst one we've seen since we he started looks doing like the a show.
0: wide receiver playing quarterback.
1: Seriously. That's literally a wide receiver playing. He was so bad. <laughs> I saw him throw a one twenty yard touchdown pass to, to Reed that looked like he threw the ball. I mean to the, the a- moon? Yeah, the apex yeah. had to be like 150 <laughs> feet high. It was like straight <laughs> yeah. up and straight down, and Reed literally had to stop and reach back over his shoulder with one hand to catch it. So
0: Yeah, he basically threw him pop flies every time <laughs> it yep. was a pass attempt.
1: Yep, it was like fielding the uh, pop flies in the outfield off the jugs machine. That's mm-hmm. basically what he was what he was throwing him. It was so bad. So yeah, I think Reed could be a very valuable piece in the offense. You know, you give him, like you said, five, six, seven touches a game. Maybe take a shot or two a game with him down the field. See if you can stretch the field and take the top off the defense. Uh, I think there is an opportunity there for him to be effective in the offense. And obviously, he's a legitimate kick returner. Uh, you'd figure he's probably, probably the odds-on favorite to win the kick return job coming into camp, uh, just based on the fact that I think I saw he was one of, one of five kick returners in FBS history to finish his four-year career with at least 3,000 yards and returns uh, and I think he had what do you say ten five five
0: kick return touchdowns five career yeah
1: I think he's going to be a nice weapon for them kind of like you said a gimmick a gadget kind of weapon exactly what they wanted Travis Benjamin to be the last couple of years except Reed isn't afraid of contact right. so he'll be a lot of fun to watch
0: all right, so let's move on to round, where are we at, six here? We're at six. With a low, high Gilman, the safety out of Notre Dame.
1: Um, I mean, obviously they drafted Gilman to be a special teams player. Uh, they maybe see him as being kind of a nickel or dime linebacker in the future. Uh, Gilman was not a guy who was overly impressive on his college tape. I think I watched four of his games. Uh, they, I heard Tom Telesco referred to him as a hammer, which at this point has to be a kiss of death for any Chargers draft pick.
0: Yep.
1: (laughs) Um, uh, I don't see that personally. I mean, he makes a lot of tackles, uh, but he's not really like a knockdown, drag down kind of tackler. He's more of like a, well, I guess drag down is the best way to put it. I saw him blow up a couple guys. There was one play, I don't remember what game it was, that I saw him trigger straight downhill from the free safety position, hit a running back dead in the chest and take him down. But most of the tackles that I saw him make, he bent over at the waist, ducked his head, and looked to grab either the, the thigh or the lower leg. He's kind of an ankle biter. Uh, not terribly strong. I don't think he's terribly fluid as an athlete. You don't want him at free safety. They talked about him as maybe being Derwin James's backup at strong safety. Um, like I said, also playing that nickel or dime linebacker role. I just he to me he's a one direction straight downhill. He does diagnose quickly. But he's not a guy who's going to change directions. And even though he kind of technically flows from sideline to sideline, he usually just winds up chasing guys down from behind five or ten yards downfield when he's flowing sideline to sideline. He's not making plays; he's just making tackles. He, in a lot of in a lot of respects, he kind of reminds me of a and a die or even a um, a manti te'o. Not really impressive as an athlete; just kind of gobbling up tackles after the player the offense has already made a play.
0: Yeah, I mean, it feels like the more I watched him, the thing that got him all of his tackles was motor. Yeah. Like effort. just a kid that didn't quit and he put so much effort that he would eventually get a tackle. Um, he's a kid that transferred from Navy to Notre Dame in 2016, started every game, was a team captain in 2019, which Telesco said was very important. Notre Dame Ram has a deep safety and he played in the box. He's definitely shouldn't be a deep safety in the NFL. A much better when he's close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's physical. He likes to knock into linemen in the box. I think he's got pretty good instincts. You talked about diagnosing pretty well. Uh, showed some short area quickness, but... I think what holds him back is that he knows what's happening, but he lacks the athleticism and I think the quickness and the get-off to make any plays. So while he sees what's happening, he's just not getting there in time. And I think he's got some coverage limitations too. He makes up for it with that physicality and the motor, but you know I think that um, he's kind of held back a little bit just because he's kind of an average athlete. He flashes good tackling at times, uh, but the more you watch Gilman, the more you see him lunging at ball carriers, like you mentioned. Um, I, you see him kind of lunging at feet a lot, trying to ankle bite. He's going to compete for an extra DB role in that nickel-dime packages to replace the hole that Adrian Phillips left this offseason. Des King, theoretically, supposed to man that spot in camp, but Gilman provides depth there and also a strong safety. And uh, he'll definitely be a special teams contributor right away. He's going to be a special teams player, whether he gets on the field or not. Uh, it's probably not going to happen in 2020 unless major injuries, but uh, definitely going to be a contributor on special teams because that guy, they love his special teams tenacity and motor there on coverage teams.
1: You think he makes the roster?
0: Oh, that's a good question.
1: Who's he going to beat out?
0: I think he beats out Roderick Teamer.
1: That's the safest bet. I mean, if you look, if you're looking at the safety position – assuming they move Dez to that safety nickel linebacker kind of role that gives them five safeties on the roster already and teamers the fifth which makes Gilman the sixth which means he's probably going to have to beat one if not two guys to make the roster and at that point do you want to keep five safeties do you want to keep four I don't know I I just feel like I'm sure he'll probably wind up making the roster because he was a draft pick I just feel like they might have put themselves in a position where they almost have to keep him to justify it because I don't think he's anything special. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who's on the field on defense a whole lot unless he's backing somebody up and they get hurt. So unless he beats out Teamer, I think he's got an uphill battle to make the roster.
0: Yeah, or they move like a Nasir Adderley to corner or something.
1: Yeah, that too.
0: All right, so then... Chargers wrap up the draft with an exciting one. It's the wide receiver K.J. Hill out of Ohio State. Uh, He's primed to be the Chargers receiver out of the slot. He's got an advanced route tree as the Buckeye slot receiver. He's got real good feel for finding that soft zone and sitting in the open area over the middle of the field. Put up big numbers, 200 receptions, 2,300 yards, 20 touchdowns in his college career. He holds the Ohio State record for receptions. Once Hill gets the ball in his hands, he's elusive. He's got good agility to make guys miss. Uh, Hill was also a kick and punt returner in college, had eight career kickoff returns. So like we mentioned earlier, he's going to be competing with Reed for that returner role and Jennings as well. K.J. Hill is not a high-end athlete. In fact, he earned a 3.81 relative athletic score with poor explosion. So uh, kind of surprising because Telesco likes these high-end athletes. K.J. Hill is not one of those, but... He just makes a ton of plays. Uh, he fell to the 7th because of the slow 40. He ran a 4.62. And there's also some rumblings about an attitude problem. So I guess he must have slipped because of combination of the two uh, he's going to compete for that wide receiver three out of the slot with the chargers fifth round pick joe reed uh two will also battle that out with darius jennings Uh real possibility we see keenan allen and mike williams outside kj hill playing the slot joe reed becomes a gadget player like we mentioned that kind of receiver and running back out of the backfield uh, this is a really good pick i mean the value is unreal here A guy that a lot of people saw going at the beginning of day three falls all the way down to the end of the draft and the chargers get him. very productive player, a ton of upside here and uh, a big swing. They really needed to make here in round seven with KJ Hill
1: and a local boy too. He grew up in LA. So Mm. um, yeah, I I think, you know, you think about where could he have landed to, to be in a perfect position to succeed. You got to think landing with the chargers where he can, work alongside Keenan Allen, further develop those route running skills. He says he mirrors his game after Keenan Allen, which is something you love to hear because of how good Keenan is in terms of running his routes. Um, you mentioned, I mean, look, we talked earlier about the idea of working in the middle of the field, creating wide open passing lanes, making things easy on Justin Herbert. And what better way to do that than somebody who can run routes the way K.J. Hill does? Uh, he's not fast. He's probably not going to be a deep threat, but if you're looking to take, make chunk plays in that 10 to 20 yard range in the middle of the field, up the seam, that's the guy you want running routes against safeties and corners in the middle of safeties and linebackers in the middle of the field. So you, you have him in the middle of the field. I'm sure they'll have Keenan in the middle of the field at times. You've got Henry in the middle of the field. You know, there are opportunities there to create some pretty big passing windows and make make for very quick, easy reads for Justin Herbert. And I think you can kind of see what they're looking for in terms of long-term offensive scheme with some of these late day three picks in terms of the offense. I just, I think they obviously have a plan. It's not like I, I think the Herbert pick would have been a lot more difficult to swallow if you were looking at it and saying, wow, they're going to run the exact same offense and they're going to have him make a seven step drop every time diagnose at the line, you know, hold the ball for seven seconds and try to get rid of the ball that's not where Herbert's going to succeed, but they clearly have a plan for him and they're trying to make him as comfortable as possible and build the offense around him instead of trying to fit him into an offense. And I think that is so smart and I think they're already ahead of the game in terms of doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they definitely gave him the pieces. Um, You know, we think that um, they could have added some more, obviously they have a lot of holes still left on the roster uh, they didn't address the offensive tackle. We had talked about how important that was this offseason. Uh, while getting Brian Balaga is important, uh, the left tackle now for a rookie is kind of up in the air. You've got Trey Pipkins. you got Sam Tevy, which Telesco had mentioned. Even the possibility of having four playing left tackle. I mean, that's all not ideal for a rookie quarterback on his blind side. Unless they sign like Jason Peters or something like that. This is... Again, like kind of like last year and the last couple of years, just kind of an over, a gross overstatement of what they've got on their offensive line because this is going to be really tough. If they're moving Justin Herbert around, that makes things a little bit easier. But still, I'm passing down, so he's got to stay in the pocket. And You've got somebody like Trey Pipkins manning that left side. That's going to be a little tough.
1: Yeah, uh, talking to Daniel Popper during the draft, he told me that he feels like the, the Chargers think that Tevy can man left tackle at least for a year. Uh, They think he's athletic enough to do it, and they think that they can help him out by rolling the quarterback to the right, which would explain why they spent resources bringing in Trey Turner and bringing in Brian Balaga. If they're going to be moving the quarterback to the right and creating those design rollouts, then you want people who can block for him. So maybe they feel like they can hide Tevi or Pipkins or whoever wins that job by running away from them. I think defenses eventually catch up to that. Um, But I think really what they're trying to do at this point, I think they're trying to buy – Trey Pipkins a year they know he's not ready to start this year so they're going to try to piece it together this year they're kind of throwing bodies at it kind of like what they did with linebacker last year until they find a combination that works and they'll probably go into next offseason looking for a left tackle but it just seems like they're you know they want they want to give Pipkins every chance to succeed every chance to prove them right so to speak and the best way to do that right now is to piece it together this year, and hopefully he develops. And by the end of the year, he's ready to be a starter in 2021, because right now he's not.
0: So, uh, offensive tackle was a big need going in the draft. Uh, we had talked about cornerback outside of Casey Hayward, who was going to be cornerback two. Uh, they didn't go and draft a cornerback either in this draft. What are your feelings on the depth chart of having Michael Davis and Brandon Face on, maybe even Nasir Adderley as that cornerback two?
1: I'd kinda of like to see Adderley in a competition at cornerback too, to be honest with you. Uh, I have seen enough of Mike Davis. I don't really think face on belongs out there as a starting corner, in my opinion. He's a much better tackler than Davis, but I don't think he's very good in coverage. So I'd like to see Adderley get a chance to compete in that role. Uh, I think they probably went in not realizing how many how many, you know, how many draft resources teams like the Chiefs and the Raiders and the the Broncos were going to spend on speed in their wide receiver groups and they didn't I guess they stuck with their plan they weren't reactionary and they didn't draft a bunch of corners trying to match speed with those guys but now they're in a position where they they have one of the slower defensive backfields in the the division and the division got a whole lot faster on offense so I think they're going to find out pretty quick that they need help at corner they're not very deep there. If one guy gets hurt, they're screwed. And now you're looking at you know Casey Hayward. He's what 32. Uh, he could be a cap casualty at the end of, at the end of 2020, depending on how he plays this year. Mike Davis is on a one year deal. on is not very good. Uh, they just don't have a lot of depth there, and they could be in a position where they're looking for two new starting corners next year, as opposed to just one, because they didn't anticipate the need and address it this year.
0: Yeah, Chris Harris getting up there in age two. Yep. So that it's an aging group, a uh, so somewhat slower group. Nasir Adderley not having the experience of playing corner since his first two years in college. So uh, you know, there's there's a lot of question marks there And the fact that there was no corners drafted. Another another questionable move. And then to me, the other one is interior defensive line. I mean, you know, they've got their three techs in Tillery and Justin Jones, Cortez Broughton. I know Jones played some one tech last season, but right now it's basically Linville Joseph who's the true one tech. And I mean, to me, that leaves three pretty big holes and they weren't able, they doubled up on their wide receivers. Uh, They doubled up, quote unquote, on their linebackers. If you want to include uh, Gilman as a nickel dime linebacker in that role, but They didn't end up getting uh, three big positions of need going into this draft. They didn't address it at all.
1: Yeah, I think you would have at least expected them to address maybe the interior offensive line. I didn't really think they'd take a tackle early, and I wasn't terribly surprised they didn't take one at all just because I think, like I said, they just signed Balaga, and they believe in Pipkins, so I don't think they were motivated to replace Pipkins yet. Um but they definitely needed some depth in, on the interior line for sure. You know, you're looking at Pouncey being hurt. There's uncertainty surrounding Lamp. There's uncertainty surrounding uh, Feeney. Uh, you don't know what they think of Scott Quesenberry. So you would have thought they'd take at least one lineman, if not a tackle, then somebody on the interior and then missing an, out on the interior defensive line. I think they just looked at it. I'd be really surprised if we don't see um, Damien Square come back in the next couple of weeks. I think he'll be the guy they bring back on a cheap one-year deal to plug a hole and provide a little bit of veteran depth and some leadership. Uh, and then the corner position we talked about, I think it's a problem. I think they're, it's going to come back to bite them a lot like the offensive line did last year.
0: Sylvester Williams, another name I like. He, he played pretty good for them last year. Could be a possible depth piece on the interior there. But, yeah, I mean, you know, can't fill every hole, clearly. I mean, they only had seven picks. But um... – you know, I liked some of the stuff they did in day three, uh, getting better at the linebacker with Kenneth Murray was good. Um, they got their quarterback, not the one we wanted, but they got one. And um, there, there were some some good things. They got their power back. We talked about how they should have done that maybe a little bit earlier than we wanted. But how are you grading this 2020 draft class? As your sprinklers kick on, obviously, as we're about to wrap this up, how do you grade this draft?
1: I think when you look at the draft as a whole and you look at the things they did already in the, in the first draft where they drafted Justin Herbert to help him and make things easier on him. Uh, I think they had a, I think they had a really good draft, not a great draft, but a really good draft. And I think the failure to address the interior defensive line and the offensive line is kind of what holds it back from being a great draft. So I'm going to say from a grade standpoint, you know, bringing Herbert in, bringing in a couple of long-term weapons around him, things to help him feel comfortable and make him feel at home. I'm going to say I give the draft a solid B. Uh, I think it was, like I said, a very good draft. I think they did a good job of trying to put Herbert in a position to succeed. And I I do like the Murray pick after going back and looking at it. I think Murray was a solid pick. I think he's going to really help them. He was the most experienced linebacker in the draft class second most athletic linebacker in the draft class and he's big and physical and he's going to be a banger in the middle of that defense. So I I'll give it a solid B, really only held back by the fact that they didn't address either line at all in a in an offseason where I thought they needed to address both in some way.
0: Yeah, I think if the Chargers end up finding an offensive tackle or an interior defensive lineman or another corner, uh this grade gets boosted up cuz they've got a fallback plan which is great but Looking at it, a day after the draft, there's a lot of holes still that uh, they didn't end up filling. In terms of the draft, they got their quarterback. They didn't trade up for him, and he was one of their top six players. The fact that they needed a quarterback and they got one that high since they had the sixth overall pick was good. It was the right move. wasn't quite the quarterback we wanted, but I understand it. Getting these wide receivers uh, helps him out, and what he can do, getting a power back, helps out your running back group. Ah, uh, being able to upgrade your your linebacker core at the second level with Ken, Kenneth Murray is good. I'm not a fan of trading up for a linebacker. I just don't think it's as an important of a position group to surrender a third round pick for it, especially when you have all these other holes on the roster. So, I, you know, I'm not digging it that bad, but still, not, not the way I would go. I would probably give it a C plus. There's a lot of just, oh yeah, these are good players, not you know, Kenneth Murray's really good, but you know, Herbert's fine to me, Kelly's fine to me, the the wide receivers I like, uh, Gilman is just whatever to me. So th- to me there wasn't something that was so much fun that gave it just above above average to a B. So I'm in the C plus, B minus range. Now if they can make some moves and bring out some veterans and fill some of these holes, we can bump that grade up. For me, it's a C plus.
1: I get that. I think uh you know, you're drafting a big unknown or you not draft you're grading a big unknown in Herbert without really Oh yeah. We don't really have the full picture right now. We think we know what they're gonna do with him, but we really don't. And he's ultimately gonna be the one who determines how this how this draft works out for the team.
0: Yeah. And that might not and it's not gonna be Herbert's fault. You know, Steichen can just revert back to his game plan he gave for two thousand nineteen and just give Herbert, that book, I, they, it sounds like they're going a different route. They've talked about rollouts and some, you know, RPOs and stuff, but, you know, hopefully Steichen can do that and they can cater to him and that offense. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell what quarterback we're going to get because, you know, it depends on what kind of uh, system they're going to install with him.
1: Right. Right. I think we have a pretty good idea of what they're going to do, but we have to see them actually do it. Will they commit to it?
0: Right. Right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us, guys. I don't know if we'll do another podcast, uh, maybe some other time, maybe if some big news breaks or we feel like it, but because of the current circumstances, we have the time. So recording our second podcast when we said we were pretty much done. So thank you, everybody, for listening. I am at Garrett Sisti on Twitter. Jamie?
1: At Lightning underscore Round.
0: And we will see you next time.
1: Thanks, everybody.